Okay, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any particular question that I could pose to you that would help you get in the bachelor frame of mind? <sighs> no, there, there isn't. <laughs> not one? There just isn't. I'm not going to get in the frame of mind. I'm not going to watch The Bachelor. Yeah, you are. You are. I can't do it. Well, why should I watch the why should anyone watch The oh, Bachelor? Oh man. There's just there's so much there. You're a super fan, aren't you? I am a fan. I'm a, in fact, I have something to, do you to have, share with you. Do you, you have you. fan videos that you've made like with like montages oh, no. with music and stuff and weird scenarios? No, I should do that. I mean, I've seen them. <laughs> if you had time, you would. Yeah, it's like it would definitely be I would be a LARPer first. And then <laughs> first LARPing, then fan then, yeah. fan bachelor videos. This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. I'm your host, Brian Doak. I'm an author, professor, biblical scholar, and I'm trying to go on a diet, and I'm dying. (laughs) I'm your host, Leah Payne. I'm an author, professor, historian, and I worked for one day at the Cracker Barrel. (laughs) I love the Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Today, we're all about The Bachelor, the American dream, the American obsession. That's right. We're talking about the American dating show, what it tells us about relationships in the U.S., the nature of reality, finding love, stealing people just for a sec, and what sort of biblical stories may or may not compare to this reality juggernaut. We interview Tenley Molzon, Bachelor fan favorite and runner-up female contestant on The Bachelor and Bachelor Pad, both in 2010, and Bachelor in Paradise 2015. In the Kitsch Corner, we take a look at some cringeworthy Christian dating concepts from a Christian dating website and a reality show where churches hook up their single people with each other. Oh my. Are you here for the right reasons? Definitely not. Join us. Join us. I'll give you evidence of my Bachelor fandom. This is an actual um, teaching um, eval response from one of my students. Okay, so at the end of the semester, students write yeah. an evaluation anonymously, and then you're, it's supposed to help you teach better in the future. Yeah, oftentimes the comments aren't like super helpful because the students, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, evidence to suggest that students don't really like give their best selves um, in the teaching oh, evaluation yeah. process. Or, or they just, they evaluate you on things like, <laughs> I've got a teaching, okay, before, okay, so yours is going to be really good and it's going to be related, but I'm going to read uh-huh. one of, I'm, just because we're on this topic yeah, now. Yeah, do it. I just want to prove your point, which I think. Um, you probably get really funny ones. I don't know why I think that's yeah, true. Yeah, no, but. well, you're absolutely <laughs> one trillion percent right. Let me read you one, actually. Okay. I, I literally pulled this up right now. I did not know you were going to bring this up. Okay. Here's a, here's a teaching eval response. I have these ready because <laughs> we participated in this thing called, you know, like on um, the Jimmy Kimmel, they have mean tweets. Yeah, the yeah. We had like a segment called mean evals with yep. some professors and students. And here was one that I read for myself. Quote, Brian, you seem depressed and that sometimes <laughs> comes through in your teaching. <laughs> I don't get the sense that you care about your students outside of an (laughs) academic setting. One time I saw you at a checkout stand at a grocery store. (laughs) We were standing together, but you just looked at your phone the whole time. So what I love about that is it is like (laughs) completely unrelated to your teaching. I know. That's what I mean. That was, that was the point that you were making. It's not helpful. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a lot of evidence to suggest that like women and people of color get significantly lower teaching evals on average. Scientifically proven. Yeah. It's, that's a fact. So like my students will talk about my clothing or whatever, but um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so one of the my favorite ones, though, I think this might be my favorite one. Uh-huh. I co-taught a class with fellow Bachelor superfan, Dr. Abigail Favalli. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this eval is from both of, like, to both of us. Sure, a team teaching eval. Yeah, team teaching eval. It says, pain, that's me, pain makes great pop culture references. Both Favalli and pain need to chill about The Bachelor. <laughs> Like, (laughs) see, they go on on. like, I get that apparently people like the show. I don't know why, but I fail to see what it has or (laughs) I fail to see what that has to do so much with Seneca. What did, what did it have to do with Seneca? Seneca, the first century Stoic I philosopher? I don't remember. You remember what the point but was? what we did was, um, it was during bachelor season mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was in the spring. The mood was semester. high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I don't remember exactly how we tied it to Seneca. <laughs> but what we did, we did have a rose ceremony where we like gave a rose to the group of students who we thought had like done done the, the best analysis of Seneca. Okay, I do know this enough about The Bachelor. I believe I did. Okay, I have to say, I think I'd watched one of the early seasons of The Bachelor. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, there was a guy named Aaron Berge. I think was his last name, Berge. Okay. I have actually spoken to Aaron Berge. He was one of the early like men, like the prize men. Yeah. I've spoken to him on the phone. What? Why? Exactly, right? Why? Why did I? <laughs> what did you? The reason that I spoke to him on the phone, uh-huh. this was maybe 15 years ago Okay. 16 okay. maybe years ago. Great. I spoke to him because... It so happened that we lived in the same town. He was from Springfield, Missouri. I'm not from Springfield, Missouri, but I lived there for a time. I did my master's degree at Missouri State. I did my undergrad in Springfield. And so there was that. And I worked at a place part-time, just kind of like a thing that I did, where (laughs) Uh we did our banking through a particular bank in Springfield. And I called there and lo, he's one of the banking people at the bank. That's his job. Did you know at the time that you were talking yeah. to a star? Yeah, I knew. I knew. He answered the phone like he knew too. Like, hello, this is Aaron Berge. Like it was all, it was like very um, self-aware. And so I watched, I watched some episodes. And so I'm aware of this rose symbolism you speak of. So this is like a bachelor yeah. trope. Like you come in, uh-huh. like when they're going to choose who gets to stay after the, yeah the the romantic prospects have been vetted and weeded out. You give a rose, is or is it only one rose to oh, to the true winner? Well, maybe I should just explain. Like it sort of blows my mind that anyone in these United States would not know about the Bachelor. <laughs> but I'm going to explain it. So I knew I, I, I knew that it was good and that it was something people got. Yeah, so that's the, good. the The premise of the Bachelor is it's 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 actually kind of like. Part game show, part ancient, like, mating ritual. I even thought of a way, because I knew I was going to be talking to you, who you are a skeptic and um, when it comes to The Bachelor, but you're also a biblical scholar. So it's, mm-hmm. in some ways, it's kind of like the story of Esther. Um, so okay. it's basically The Bachelor, and of course, there are, there are like, numerous spinoffs because it's been very successful. So there's mm. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor right, Pat, Bachelor right. in Paradise. Right. But... Um, so the but the initial premise is one single man mm-hmm. and then 25 mm-hmm. single women mm-hmm. are coming to basically compete for this one man's attention mm-hmm. and then in the end it is possible that they will win a Neil Lane designed um, <laughs> like a fancy diamond ring that because he's ABC go- paid because for. he's because he's going to that's the he's going to actually yeah. propose marriage 
The, that is that's the grand plan. Now, do they do it every time? No, no. Oh, they no. don't. Because you can't yeah. force something like that, or can you? They do. Dun, no dun, doubt. Done. Yeah. That's where the suspense comes in, and oh. so it is. You know, like twenty five women all dudded up in their fanciest, you know, cocktail gowns. Yeah, yeah. And they meet this guy, and there's a show that I'm a huge fan of called Unreal, which is apparently, according to people who watch it, and we're going to have an expert on uh, on our episode today who can tell us if this is a fact or not, but um, apparently the show Unreal is uh, very, like, they used a lot of reality show producers and stuff in consultation to make it, mm-hmm. and it's pretty, like, it it paints a pretty dire view of like what reality television is like the, the lengths that yeah, the, re- the producers the reality, will go to, yeah. to mm-hmm. manufacture reality. Like right. is it reality? Who knows? Because there's always champagne flowing and people are, it's well documented that people make great decisions while they're drinking alcohol. The, the very best decisions. <laughs> the very best decisions of their life. Well, how, okay. Just pause this, yeah. pause this train right here. Mm-hmm. Of course they're drinking. You're in a group of 25 people trying to compete for a, literally a spouse on television yeah what an insane prospect what a horrible what a horrible moment for love so i think what a terrible what a terrible way to do things here's why i can't look away i mean there's a million reasons it's a train wreck an absolute wreckage of human desire (laughs) emotions a degradation of yes so many things and what do you do when you see a train wreck do you just like buzz on by like no big deal i say those people deserve my respect and yet i'm gonna look because i can't give it (laughs) see that's the thing that's the thing is that you can't help yourself and i think the thing there there are a lot of different reasons why i have watched this show and i should say that of all of the reality shows slash guilty pleasure tv shows in my this is purely anecdotal evidence but in my experience the Bachelor has the highest following amongst like academic types. Yeah, why is that? You and Abby both. I'm very disappointed Abby, in Abby. Also, about Joseph this. Claire. He's a Joseph. <laughs> he I'm very disappointed in him. I'm yeah. very disappointed in him. Yeah. Um, and that's not all. On that front. Yeah. So yeah. there I I you know, you haven't you have yet to watch an entire episode, right? I may have. I may have watched an episode. <laughs> you may have like half slept through. Yeah, I an mean entire episode. You know. So I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why I like it. One of the reasons is that there's always there are always people who seem legitimately sincere. Like yeah. they really are there. Now there's like there's this whole subculture of community. Like I have my favorite reviewers of the show. There's mm-hmm. a guy named Reality Steve who tries to <laughs> blow the surprise every year. Yeah. And he usually calls it like who's gonna be the finalist and Apparently, he had, like, these lawsuits with ABC and stuff over, you know, how did he get this information? But anyway, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this show is that um, there seem to be people, one of the kind of sub-interests of, like, avid viewers mm-hmm. is is someone there, quote-unquote, for the right reasons. For Okay, so this is what I'm doing. My yes. I'm looking up Bachelor cliches on my— For the right reasons has to be the top one. On my phone. Okay, so there's a voting thing. You can vote on all these Bachelor cliches. So for the right—okay, let's see. Um, number one, can, like, are these things you've heard? Yeah. Can I steal you for a second? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> she, he isn't here for the right reasons. For the right reasons, definitely. I'm not here to make friends. That's another one. Yeah, that's true. I'm definitely falling for her. Oh, I didn't realize it would be this hard. <laughs> Insert name. Will you accept this rose? Okay. Well, yeah, but that's like scripted from the network. So I'm like, that doesn't count. I definitely see my my husband or wife in this room. 
Yeah. I have a really hard time opening up to people. I'm in love with two different people. I want to know why you're like masculinizing and feminizing. I don't know. Exactly. I'm just I'm trying to go back and forth. <laughs> I hope my name will be on. I hope my name will be on the one on one date card. What's the one on one date card? Oh gosh, Brian, 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 Brian. <laughs> yeah, there's so much you have to know about the show. Be my teacher. I will be your student. <laughs> yes. Okay. I really hate so, group dates. Yeah. There's only one rose on this date, and I want it. <sighs> so what's what's the date card thing? Okay, so um, so you might be thinking to yourself, like, how do you narrow down 25, like 25 to 1? At our university, the university where we work, mm-hmm. um, they're always concerned that there's, like, a fairly equal ratio between female and male students because, you know, I think, like, administrators and admissions people know that, like, a lot of times people want a decent dating pool when they come to college. So well, yeah, you don't want to look and just see, like, if you're a woman, you don't want to see, like— a lot of women, unless you want to go to a women's college. It, you, right, you know, right. You, you want to see like a mix of people. Yeah, and so... Um, or vice versa with, with men. Exactly. So, um, and we should say that like, uh, to my knowledge, The Bachelor and The bachelor Bachelorette are almost exclusively heterosexual couples. So like there's and, this and idea... And mostly white. I mean, isn't, isn't there a race yeah, thing about The Bachelor? Yeah, there's a whole... There's like there's this whole trope, body of literature yes. critiquing. Yes. Yeah. There's this trope of like the African-American woman always gets cut early. Exactly. There'll be like the token black woman. She gets cut, you know. Yeah. See, that's why I don't watch it. It's racist. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't do I it. I actually think you can make a really strong You could, right? I, no, I've, I, I'm aware of this conversation. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of really interesting dialogue yeah. about like, who does America want to see in love, right? right and right. so like, they're definitely like kind of Ken and Barbie type, mm-hmm. you know, old timey stereotypes mm-hmm. that get associated with that. That's actually, see, this is another reason why I like the show. There you it's go. interesting. There you go. Um, But, Anyway, so like if you're going to date, you know, 25 people get from 25 to 1, you have and in if like all of America except for Brian Doak are going to be interested in this, if the entire country except for Brian is interested in this. Um then you need to like keep it snappy with different things. So they sure. will frequently do um what's called group dates where it could be like 12 people or you know, five people, and they go and do something outrageous that puts everyone in a position to embarrass themselves and or <laughs> show off their naked bodies. Oh, okay. Like, there's, you know, like, I anytime see. there's a bachelorette, like, they do, like, some sort of bachelor dudes thing, like, we're going to make a sexy calendar. We're going to make right. it, you know, stuff like that. So that's that's a huge part of it. But the really prized date, the one that you want, is the one-on-one date. And um, if you look up, like... If you look up cliches on The Bachelor, you definitely will see something about the coffee table because Mm. um, there's this frequent Bachelor setup um, wherein the people, like the bachelorettes or bachelors, will come into a room and magically on this little tiny coffee table, unassuming coffee table, Mm -hmm. there will be a note that says— A note. Like it's a riddle. And it says— Yeah. It's usually real easy to solve. Yeah. Like I it's that it's easy enough to where I use bad grammar to say it. Uh-huh. It's very easy to solve. And um it basically says like come and fly a kite with me. Let's see what could be. I don't know. I and then it's like they go <laughs> they go to the beach and they start flying kites. Okay, I've got some bachelor memes here. I need you to explain okay. this. I need you to explain these memes. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's one meme for you to to unpack for okay. us. 
watching the women on the bachelor this is like a woman like looking at her hand and she's got like a bear watching the women on the bachelor makes me feel so good about myself oh why is that funny is it that these women are terrible people basically well i think that's the presumption but um i don't think i'd agree with that meme you don't agree um i think the fun of watching the bachelor is that and we should say that we have an actual bachelor contestant who's going to be um speaking with us at some point, but the, she's already told us over text that she wants to convert me to being a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And the fun of watching <laughs> the bachelor is that there's this mix of people, like some of them, you you can always tell when they talk about what their um, job is. Like if the, if they have some sort of vague, like I'm a lifestyle brander or something like that, then, you know, hmm, I'm not sure. But um, so a lot of people are there just to jumpstart some sort of acting career, and oh. they don't seem like they're, quote unquote, there for the right reasons. They're not there for the right reasons. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. I have to say there's always like a certain percentage of them, and I want to ask our guest about this, who seem sincere. Like they actually seem like they want to find love. Okay. What's this meme about? It's like a profile of a guy. Do you? I don't know if you – I'll show you the picture if you recognize this guy. The meme says, I don't know how to communicate with women because I usually only talk to my corn. <laughs> yeah, that guy. See, that guy was What's that? a farmer. Oh, okay. Um, farmer. And I'm going to blow it. I think he was in Iowa or something like that. And so, yeah. And he kind of overplayed. I mean, if you're going to get cast in a reality dating show, you're mm-hmm. probably really, really good looking. Like, yeah. No, these are not the ugly people no, in America. <laughs> they're not like normals. You know, they're very beautiful people uh, physically, according to like traditional Western standards of beauty. And so this guy, his name was Chris, and he was um, a farmer. And Mm -hmm. so like there was a lot made out of the fact. But like how farmy can he be when you use, obviously use that much hair product? That's a question I have. That's just a question Leah has for the world. (laughs) Okay. This is time for you to explain sociologically, psychologically, spiritually, religiously, and at every level you must answer this meme in terms of like, why is this the case? Okay. And this is like a guy like pointing to his head, like riddling, like what? The Bachelor is about a man dating multiple women at once, primarily watched by women who hate men who date multiple women at once. Is that true? Wait, I got confused toward the end of that. The Bachelor is about a man (laughs) dating multiple women at once, primarily watched by women, women who hate men who date multiple women at at the same time. Yeah. So, like, why would people hate watch this if it's the kind of scenario that they would actually hate in real life? Well, I think it's because, and this gets back to something that you and I have talked about um, before, which is I don't know that people think that it's really real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's a part of them that I think that that people. It's like Santa Claus when you're like nine years old, mm-hmm. if you were raised to be- believe in Santa Claus, and then you know you kind of get to an age where you're like the fantasy and the reality are sort of like, it could go either way. And I think that like the bachelor, bachelor nation is what it's called. (laughs) And (laughs) bachelor nation. It's a country. It's a country of its own government. Um, government. You know what I'm talking about? Don't you? Kai? Kai, Our our engineer here is laughing. Yeah. Someone who is close to him um, is a, is a fan of the bachelor. And so the bachelor nation is, comprised of lots of different kinds of people who I think they all watch it for different reasons like mm-hmm. all the right reasons there's no wrong reasons there's no wrong reason <laughs> to watch it no some wrong of them reason. like myself I'm interested in how like reality is constructed you know like how do we know that it's real how do we how are our particular characters formed like 
I'm always fascinated by how the network creates like heroes and villains for people. Mm -hmm. This is why this is my primary reason why I'm right, really interested right. in it. And also the gender criticism stuff because it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's got to be all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that that's the thing that I think is interesting. Like how do we know who to have the hero or who the hero is? How do we know who the villain is? The villain is really fun. It's usually the funnest person to watch. Yeah, yeah. Because they always like they have this kind of like nefarious music that's playing underneath when they come <laughs> on screen. And then they Oh, they always, villainize people to that extent. Oh yeah. It's like very transparent. And then they'll always show them like saying something really crazy. Um like I don't know, like I can't help it like you know, I've been this beautiful all my life. Like, I don't understand why people are, you know, like something like really crazy after they've probably had like five glasses do people, of champagne. Okay, but do people learn, could you learn something about just the sociology of dating, of, of courting, of uh, from the show itself? Like, do you learn, for example, that women who are, or men, I guess, who are aggressive, who are really upfront, do, do they kind of get the prize or is it the people who lay back and are just super sweet or do the people who lay back and are super sweet get cut or like what's, is there a pattern? Well, what would you expect? What do you think? Oh, I'm thinking on this show, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, some of the people, they, they've got to string some people along who are really direct because it's good for TV to have people like, I'm going to do this and I will cut your throat to get him and da, 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 da. But those, but then we don't want her to really get him. But then probably sometimes she's in the final that type. So I don't know. I bet, I bet it's all over the map, but I can't imagine if you're just kind of a, a dude that's just sitting there like, I'm nice guy. I'm just sitting in the back. I don't think people want to watch that. I think people want to see carnage. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so, but I'm guessing having not, not I don't being know. the fan you are. Well, you know, I've never produced an episode of the bachelor. Okay. So I wish yet. I could tell you. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Second career. That's going to be it. Um, so I think that, um, there's a little bit and here's where the the gender criticism angle is really interesting because I do think that for some of the top female contestants, they try to hide that part of themselves. So they'll oh. put themselves out there. The aggressive like, part. They're trying not to not to come off as too aggressive yeah. because maybe they, maybe they, they think they're not performing their gender in the right way. Yeah. So there's like this bachelor cliche where some like quote unquote nice girl who will do some things that seem pretty underhanded in order to clue the bachelor in on the fact that so-and-so is actually really awful in private. Oh, right. Cause but you this gotta... is always a mistake. You should never oh, do this. You shouldn't right? do that. No, no, so no. So don't ever cut down other people. Yeah. In Cause front you of look person. like you're tattling kind of, even if it's true, right. it's like, I don't know, you know, see if I were, if I were the person that they were seeking, I'd be like, tell me everything. And I would just try to find somebody that I thought was trustworthy and get them. But then, yeah, but then, then could how be wrong. do you even know? Well, within right? the span of like a couple of weeks when you've got this like herd of people after you. Yeah. And you know, they, they, they narrow it down pretty quickly, but um, so, but the, what's interesting is when it's flipped and it's a bachelorette and then the mm -hmm. bachelor, mm -hmm. like what constitutes like acceptable gender performance is a little bit different. Yeah. And every now and then you'll get a, a male candidate who, who acts, who performs their gender in a way that is more similar to how the female candidates do. Mm. And that is super interesting to watch, like how people respond to it. So some female Contestants, like some bachelorettes, like mm -hmm. the woman who's choosing between several different men, mm -hmm. will respond in a way that's like, I um, I think that that is uh, like girly behavior. So mm -hmm. it's like sort of gendering that behavior in a negative way by associating it with the feminine. Mm -hmm. But then some candidates will say, oh, it's endearing. He's being sensitive. Right. So it's sort of like saying that's a positive version of masculinity. I see. 
this is why I can't stop watching it. Because I'm like, how do you, how do you make that decision? How do you choose between them? I hope you're happy that you dragged us into oh, this. Oh, I'm so happy about it. I hope this you're is happy. gonna be so fun. Has there ever been a season or an or, or you know a season of it where maybe like the prize person, the bachelor or the bachelor, wasn't really that big of a prize? Like people are yeah. like you're watching oh, yeah. it, and you're just like, what are they doing? What are they thinking? Run. Oh run far a lot. away. That happens a lot. Really? Yeah. There there are many candidates who are just the worst. In fact, and I don't know what this one is going to be like because we're going to be watching the season premiere. I will. Okay, I will. You're going to commit to it, I'm, right? I, I have to. I have to watch it. Yeah, because how are, how am I going to talk to Tenley? What I think would be really great if I don't watch it is if you <laughs> if you got super into it oh. after this. <laughs> I hope you're happy, Leah Payne. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Created a monster. All right, weirdos, we're back, um, and we are very excited about our next guest. Um, we are talking today with Tenley Molzon Leopold, a certified holistic health coach and founder of Tenley Sweet and Free Life. You should definitely check out her website. Um, and you may know her best as the three-time runner-up through the Bachelor franchise, but I know her best as fan favorite of the Bachelor fan <laughs> franchise, Tenley Molzon Leopold. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome. I cannot, I cannot believe we have an actual person from The Bachelor on the show. This is so surreal, and I don't know what to say. And I just spent the first half of the podcast making fun of The Bachelor, and now here we are face-to-face, -face, and I don't know what to do, okay? So, well, Leah, you, you, you take it away. I'm lost. Well, I will start because I just spent the first half of the podcast defending my love of The Bachelor franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we can we can agree to disagree on a lot of different things. Hey, I'm open. I'm open. It's not that way. It's just <laughs> I, I I'm inexperienced. I don't understand. Maybe that's more. Well, I love this show, and we're so thankful that you're here with us. Um, so Tenley, the first question that we have is: Do you feel like the real you was presented to viewers in this reality show, The Bachelor? This is one of my favorite questions. But by the way, thank you guys so much for having me, and I cannot wait to make. Um, Brian, a bachelor. <laughs> um, so this question does get asked so often about how I was portrayed or how how the characters through the the girls or contestants, I guess you should I could say, um, are portrayed and, and the realness of it. I felt like that was me. What you saw, what what the viewers on TV witnessed was me through and through. But it's missing a whole good chunk because they're only showing snippets of the amount of time where you're in spending in a very unique atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, it was me. I am very, very happy with how they portrayed me. Um, I also uh, but and then when you see some of these characters uh, quote unquote characters, so to speak, that um, act a little bit more villainous or. One that I think that they either know what they're doing for mm. some camera time, or you know, they, it is a television show. They, even though it's a, a reality TV show, we're making a TV show, and some people really take that on. I think with a little bit of extra pride, but I like to let people know that it's. I don't know percentage wise, but you know, a very good chunk of what you see is who that person is, but it might be say 90% true to who you are, or maybe only 20% true. <laughs> 
you give them so much to work with on that cutting room floor. But yeah, right. so I was very grateful for the way Okay, that I- so for example, so in the premiere of this season, when you had the woman in the red dress with the blonde <laughs> hair who kept interrupting over yes, and over again, I, yes. could, I could barely even watch the TV screen when that was happening. <laughs> it was so awkward. So you're saying, I mean, she's she's acting out as a character, but you think that's probably partly just what she's really like too. Well, uh, probably a little bit of what she's really, really like, but what most um, Bachelor audience people, viewers know is that the, can I steal you for a second, is the horrible, yes, but like we all know that there's going to be that one girl, so for sure, she was probably being being encouraged, like, I don't, like, you know, my maybe by a producer um, saying, Hey, do you, do you think that you had enough time with him? And she Uh, could, but she could have also been very much that person. But when I was on the bachelor, the first night, um, I was like, wait, I haven't talked to him yet. It's getting really late. What? Uh, Right. And do I need to go steal him? Because I'd seen the show before. Do I need to go steal him? They're like, no, no, we're going to make sure. So in a way they, Uh. I think protecting my image, my character and my personality and saying, that's not who you were, are. So you're not an aggressive, I'm not aggressive. Like I'm not that person that's going to be like pushing my way through. Um, and she probably, I just feel like that does portray her character quite a bit and she was so willing to do it. So, well, I mean, so I, I'm a longtime watcher of the show. Brian <laughs> is new to a lot of the cliches associated with <laughs> <Yes>. the bachelor. <laughs> um, of course, my favorite one is for the right reasons. That's, yeah. that's the best one. But um, I did, I, I was noticing about that particular, I, I think of the, the contestants as like, I assume that they are their own person outside of, the bachelor like the, the it's not the full version of themselves similar to like when i'm teaching you know students yeah. get teacher me and then there's like my whole life where i'm doing laundry and all kinds of boring things that you yeah. know they don't need to know <laughs> but um then i think of the then also like the character that the producers create you know as maybe a little bit different it's it's nice to know that you're you felt like there was consistency um Absolutely. between you and but you are kind of one of the heroines. Um, and so now I'm kind of wondering about, because that woman, um, and now I'm blanking on her name now. I'll know by the end of the season. It depends on how long she stays around. Oh, she's going to be around. <laughs> they're, they're keeping her around. She's, yeah, because I thought they're keeping her, her around. Catherine. What, Catherine? Okay, Catherine. Catherine is staying on the show. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> Catherine's going to be on. catching on very he Okay, is. yes, he's yes. Very smart. Catherine's but staying on the show. I thought of her as dog person because she brought her tiny little dog. <laughs> oh, jeez. Not, not red dress, Catherine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm thinking yeah. of her as, I'm, I'm a dog person, but I was like, that's just weird. So we can expect a lot from her. I, I guess think. I'm a red dress person, but they're keeping her around. I mean, she's staying. <laughs> yeah, she'll be around for a little while. I can, I can guess. And I will tell you a little bit of insight and backstory to that. Um, what I didn't know and what I learned as time went on through my different times through the franchise, we sit in a hotel room uh, for a couple days before we film. And I don't oh. know that any one of us is actually locked in. Uh, there's several people who probably sat in that ho- hotel room before and never even got to come to the first night. <gasps> um, so that wow. those people are out there and exist or perhaps they've come and, and it ha- has happened on some of the, um, spinoff shows where somebody has waited and and taken time away from their job and everything and waited in a hotel room and never came. So on. it's like but, a it's like a cut before the cut. Oh my god! Yes, so it's almost like they're kind of connecting the dots between some storylines by getting to the producers getting to know you in your hotel room wow. before you meet the bachelor. And I feel like there's a little bit of okay again like 
for me, and this is another question I get asked all the time, is it real? And yes, it is a very real scenario and situation out in like very unique, um, romanticized situations, but it is a produced show. So there are influences. There is a little bit of direction and there's, um, but, but it's a very real for me anyway, it was very, very real. Well, um, yeah, I was trying to explain some of these conventions uh, to (laughs) Brian. Like um, I was trying to explain how there's always like a little coffee table where there's a note you know, that explains yeah. the trip. And so I think he's just going to have to watch the whole season to get all of them. <laughs> now, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm hooked. Okay. Now I'm getting more hooked by the minute here. I wonder, uh, you've been a big fan favorite, uh, on the show and you get people like making fan videos of you with this like crazy music in the background and you're doing all this stuff. I wonder though, I mean, something that makes me squirm just as a human, like watching the show. And I don't mean this critically. I'm just asking like out of sh- true curiosity, like, you know, there are the fan videos, but then there are like haters, right? Like people who just take your image and say things and and do, I mean, maybe even do things. I don't know like wh- what the spectrum of like bad fan behavior is, but like, and in a way you put yourself out there and you can't mm-hmm. really control how people are receiving that. Like, I don't know. Could you just talk a little bit about that process of just like dealing with not only just the adoration that you've gotten and stuff like that, but just like the hate and the weirdness, like what's that, what's that like? Yeah, that, that is a whole new uh, perspective or uh, element um, when you put yourself out there. And I think we see even more of it today, not just from reality TV, but even from Instagram, right, say influencers right. or bloggers and stuff, such putting yourself in such a vulnerable position. Right. People, you're allowing, you're extending like a branch to people having like a real what they think is the close up of your life, mm-hmm. even though again, it's just a percentage of your life and who you are. Right. Um, and, but with the haters, the one, the fans in bachelor nation are incredible. Um, the people that have continued to follow and support me in my life and journey, I'm so grateful for, but yeah, there are, um, critical people out there. And thankfully I haven't had to deal with many haters, but there is, but then it makes me wonder, cause I've been hearing the quote, what is it? If you're, if you're being, if there's a hater or something, you must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, right? well, what about even just, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be like public. It could just be like people in their living rooms. Like, Oh, I can't believe she just did that. What an idiot. You know, like you've got a uh-huh. nation of people who are inevitably people are going to say that. And just knowing that people are doing that. Right. And guilty because, and I will catch myself watching the show with my friends or family members and being like, don't say that. Like, <laughs> I mean, like somebody like criti- criti- uh, critique somebody's voice or whatever. I'm like, I, people make right. fun of my voice, Regis and Kelly back in the day. <gasps> There's this whole thing which is flattering, but also exactly. so embarrassing. And it's like, um, you know, one with the, it's just a whole new level of opening yourself up. I actually, I guess I don't know if I'm even answering the question. There's just so many perspectives of it. Right. But one thing that I've learned with opening yourself up and putting so much out there and uh, more critics coming at you or haters or whatever, um, either ignore it or sometimes these people really just want attention when it's, when it's on, you know, it's being said in people's living rooms and that's for them to just deal with and right. discuss. I know that they I'll be under somebody's eye on TV or when you're on a podcast or whatever, but <laughs> right. then, um, you know, when, when we come into contact with those messages and stuff, they can be a little bit hard. And I did grow a really thick skin, which was really healthy for me to start realizing that 
that's not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a more of a reflection on them and something going on there, like, or that I'm doing something really awesome because when somebody still is thinking about you at the end of the day, um, in, in hating on you or saying mean things, it's about them, not about you. And it's almost like, Oh, I'm so flattered that you, you even want to say anything. Mean right. to me. Um, but oftentimes ignoring those things, or, um, I've sent a few private messages and said, you know, I just wanted to, and usually they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I never thought you'd <laughs> oh, that. Oh, wow. What and a bunch of cowards, cowards, cowards. They folded you know, when you I confront really them. Do, exactly. And I, but I also think that this is kind of a cry for attention sometimes yeah. too, but, um, yeah. It shows so it shows that you created a compelling character, right? That people and, and you could look at it artistically too. Like I, whatever I was there, that was a character you could say on the show was compelling enough. Like you were a good enough actor. Like you're a, you're a serious actor, and they were <laughs> responding to that. Well, I, the good thing was I wasn't acting because I'm a horrible actor. <laughs> <laughs> you you but weren't acting. Maybe some other you. maybe some other people were acting. I, I do think that that does happen. They definitely play a role. Well, Tenley, one of the things that you were so sincere about, and I think this is probably why, I I would guess why you've been such a prominent figure in Bachelor Nation is that you really are sincere. This like, And that comes across um, in terms of like just, just how you interact on the screen. And one of the things that you're the most sincere about, um, it, especially in uh, season 14, which I watched with uh, with Jake, is your personal beliefs and mm-hmm. your, your personal um, Christian faith. What was that like for you um, to have your, because this is a podcast about religion and popular culture. What was it like for you to be sincere about your beliefs and to have those portrayed um, by this big corporation? Well, it's really, okay, so, so many, this, I love this question. Um, I, I am not, I wouldn't be who I am without Jesus. So I walked onto that show with them very much, all the producers through all my interviews knew very, that that was like a core piece of me and who I am. And also when I went on and um, I, I was curious, like, is my bachelor a Christian? And he proclaimed to have that, to share that faith with me. And, um, you know, what I've learned through dating, thankfully now I'm married to an incredible man who loves the Lord. But, um, what I've learned through dating is that we all just are different walks sometimes. But, um, when I went on, that was something I was curious about, but, um, and just knew that if this guy's going to like me, I have to be everything that I like be somebody else. And then at the end be like, Oh, by the way, I love Jesus. Right. And go to church, you know, like that. And so I just, that was who, who I am. And I wouldn't know how to be without that being something that I wear on my sleeve. And the cool thing was on that season, on every season I've had, well, on that season, especially, there was a group of girls. We prayed together. A couple of girls did some devotions together in the morning, um, pull out our Bibles, or um, like that was the one thing we we're allowed to bring of reading material. And then also on my very last show that I did of Paradise, there was another um, couple of girls that would, you know, read Jesus Calling together and, and stuff like that. So it, it's there, and there's been some. Um, Christian bachelors and uh, that have been very, very, um, very not not private about their faith. Um, Sean Lowe and Ben Higgins. That's and, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and 
and Ben Higgins is a friend, was a really good friend of mine at the time. He was the bachelor and I just couldn't be more happy to see these people standing up for their faith in such a lead role. Yeah. I mean, that, that leads to the question, you know, that everyone's talking about, of course, with this season and everything you just said makes, makes sense. It's super fascinating by the way. Um, about this current bachelor, this guy, Colton, right? Is that his name, Colton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seems really nice. I like Colton. What's wrong with Colton? Oh, what's wrong with Colton is this huge conversation, right, about his sex about his sex yeah. life, namely that he's a virgin. Um, and I feel so badly for he, him. I mean, he, that is being dissected in some incredible ways um, that are just, yeah. I don't know, like what's your, sort of like what's, what's your take on this situation that he's in and then the media reaction to it? It's horrible. Honestly, I'm so sick of it. I'm so over it. Mm. Um, obviously, so it's it's interesting because going just with what I said about like how many Christians, outspoken Christians there have been through the show, and there's more than the ones that I, I mentioned, it's almost like America gravitates towards that, like mm. want something more because these these people that are, um, are being so vulnerable with their faith and everything. Well, one, and then um, and I, I don't know, I met Colton in uh, the other night and he is really kind, sweet, seems genuine and sincere in this position and a little bit out of like his comfort zone, which is a good thing. Um, but I feel bad for the dude. I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, they, they basically got him to say, um, that he wasn't waiting for marriage in this first episode, which kind of broke yeah. my heart. Yeah, and, and and the host too said something to him like, "Oh, so like, do you feel like maybe you're not a real man or something like uh, that?" At one point, just like just, what? It really just breaks my heart, makes my stomach hurt because I feel like, um, obviously, what, uh, what, what would it be, America or society, just assuming that this is such a like a a defect. Uh, a defect when it's something so sacred and special and it's just really sad what but i it, it's up to us those of us that feel like it's you know I, I think it's very worth waiting for and to be able to have that um to, to look to the bible and know like we're just being able to know what what we stand for and talk about it and uh sean lowe one of the bachelors back in the past they had made such a big deal about how he was a um, I forget, like secondary virgin again, or something. Born again virgin. That's right. That's amazing. right. Amazing. Whatever. Like so that people can understand where his values were and morals and and who his life was for and and about grace and about just and it's just so sad. I don't even know what to say about the Colton thing. Besides, like I just wish it wasn't such a prominent thing, a part of his. Um, their message about him. Um, and I can guarantee you, actually, I know one of the girls that she had never even been kissed until she, well, we'll have to watch that. Um, (laughs) Little detail. Yeah. But therefore she had like, she, that's something sacred to her as well. And so here she is going on to the bachelor thinking, maybe this guy has the same morals and values that I do. And we can be on the same page with this. And then, here he is on the other side of things being, I don't know if he's being provoked to say, yeah, I'm just waiting for the right one. Not even necessarily like that. It's so sacred and it's marriage and like whatever, but uh, anyway. Well, I so appreciate your thoughts on that because so one of my, my favorite things to analyze about watching the bachelor is the differences between like the bachelor and the bachelorette in terms Mm -hmm. of how the, the kinds of things that we look at, 
like in in um so if you're watching the bachelorette and a guy is being aggressive it's like mm-hmm. oh he's being assertive you know and that's really that's somehow supposed to be some sort of good quality and then if a woman is doing the same thing oh you know she's being like aggressive and it's bad Please. quality mm-hmm. yeah and and i think that that's really I think that sexuality gets treated like that too, because for the female candidates, there's this sort of like, she's pure and she's going to be like deflowered or something like that. And then for the male candidates, it's like, this guy, what is wrong with this person? He's not a man yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, all those he actually, kind of old-timey stereotypes that. come out. I, I, maybe that you're not a man. I just, it's so insane um, to see that. But, but just to watch every, yeah, it was just, I don't know, watching an episode like that for the first time, I just... <laughs> Oh, it was just tough. What's it was just the bachelor? I yeah, it just it just I felt like so conflicted. I was almost in some yeah. kind of like old school like drama where it's just like I mean, it's such an unnatural scenario though, right? Like I've never been in a dating scenario where there were like th- 20 people or whatever the number is standing right there. I mean, it's just it's so unintimate. I mean, was there a way on the show to overcome that lack of intimacy just that the, the fact that there were so many so many contestants how, how, how does one do that any any advice for this season's contestants on that front well be, besides the amount of people other women or men or whatever bachelor bachelorette like are around you contestant wise yeah you also are surrounded by production oh yeah oh my god totally natural just just like courting in the real world with a camera (laughs) uh, somehow that just kind of starts to blend in with the woodworks and and um a little bit of i think just being taken away from your everyday life you don't have phones you don't have certain reading materials you don't have things to check out with you kind of just become zoned in it's almost like I don't want to say brainwash because it's not, but it's almost like you're brainwashing yourself because in this environment to just not notice that stuff anymore. Um, and the other people, but I'd say that the hardest part in being with other contestants is just the idea of, wait, okay, I like him. I feel like he's starting to like me. And oh wait, you're saying that you had a moment with him? Oh, that, was- oh, that see, that's brutal. See, that's I don't know. Maybe I just I was insecure as a dater or something like that. But I just think hey. that would just be so crushing. I was always about like I never I never dated two people at the same time. No. I, I could have never handled that. I just can't. It's not that I wouldn't have wanted to. I just can't handle it. Like I couldn't have done it personally. Yeah. No way. No. So what's interesting? This we this is for a whole other time when you are done watching the Bachelor. <laughs> we'll do this all again to hear. But um, my first time on the show, I had actually been through a very serious relationship that had been ended in. Um, he he had he had another person on this. Oh, side. Yeah. Oh. Um, just that with that, uh, and then going and seeing that I actually went through my story actually in a way is very beautiful when I talk about it in a sense of I felt God really used this time to romance me in mm. a very special way that is so unique and I would never ever ever encourage another young woman to go on the show to go heal or mm. um, find romance from the Lord but for me that happened and I was dating a guy who was dating so many other women but for in some way my trust was kind of restored and I just had it was like a little bit of a a rehab for my heart in the most unique way but but that's also I think came with a lot of no expectations and a lot of just surrender on my part and through just knowing who or learning even more of who I was in in Jesus so 
Well, I appreciate um, you. You've mentioned a couple of times or several times what what a strange thing it is to just be away from like the regular mm-hmm. world that you're in. So <laughs> I, I love that. It's kind of inspiring. It makes me want to go home and like turn my phone off or put it in the mailbox and and just like be present with my with with my family. So mm-hmm. Tenley, thank you so much for spending a little bit of your afternoon with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Tenley, I want to keep watching The Bachelor. You've inspired me. I have a (laughs) the question for my the question for me though is am I in this for the right reasons at this point? And I don't I don't don't know. know. I don't know. The right reasons being (laughs) you just want to see how this thing goes. Absolutely. But you know, I I wouldn't want too much more out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll 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 take that advice. Thank you, Tenley. Okay, so how fun was that talking with Tenley? Um, twelve out of ten fun. <laughs> she is the kindest person. Here's the thing that I think is is has to be true. I don't know if you agree. Tell me, like, okay, and like, and if you read her biography online, like, she moved to like L.A. or somewhere to like be a Disney princess, yeah, like literally a Disney princess literally, at Disney, yeah. and then she worked her way into these shows. She spun a career out of this. I think in some ways, probably you could listen to her and think like, oh, she sounds like so innocent and just so pure and da da da. And I, I have no doubt that she is, but like, there's got to be some steel determination and business sense and some serious like cleverness and and absolutely just everything has to be beneath whatever her persona might seem to be as just like so friendly i mean i'm not doubting the sincerity of it i'm just saying there's something probably pretty tough beneath all that too what i really like about it is i mean you know she she is very a very kind person um Mm. and then also also smart and very savvy and Mm -hmm. um, very, very self-aware of the, just the, uh, well, I thought what was fascinating about how she talked about The Bachelor is she knew exactly what she was doing. Like, it's not like she was just dumped into this, you know, world. And so she can appreciate, you know, kind of the over the top characters (laughs) and then also find, um, you know, a sense of self amongst them. So right. that's just fascinating to me because like the Catherine character with the dog, um, you know, I'm just like, there's, there's ones like that. And then there are yeah. people who well, seem very genuine. This and- is where you see the artificiality of the show though. Like yeah. my prediction, of course, that she's going to remain on the show. I mean, I'm guessing because I'm new to this, people who are her veterans are like, Oh, newbie, of course, don't act like, <laughs> right, you're, right, don't right. Act like you're being smart. Cause you're predicting that that lady's going <laughs> to, of course, but okay. But that d- does show you, I mean, and, and, and Tenley, when we talked to her, she was saying that too, like producers are suggesting oh, things to people. Certainly, and, like I mean, for sloth woman, but the idea like, okay, but something as sacred as the rose Oh yes, that that could be yes, manipulated yes, yes. too. Like she's gonna like you could just see her hand him handing her that rose, and you're just like, come on, there's no way. So I mean, th- that the, the women themselves can come with ever honesty with whatever honesty that they have, and and play that and do be whomever they are. But yeah. I mean, you know, there's 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 some Hunger Game style plot manipulation happening oh, here. Sure, and I'm sure it happens amongst the contestants too, because I yeah. mean, they call them it's a contest. It's like. Yeah, yeah, I think Hunger Games is great. And <laughs> we I would love for us to do a follow-up Bachelorette episode because oh, yeah. I wish that you could see what it's like to watch the men do the same thing. Oh, I don't know. It's so fascinating. Because oh. like the way they display their masculinity mm-hmm. through but then so the whole the whole setup of The Bachelor is very old timey. And I want to ask you about this, like mm-hmm. ancient ideas about women kind of mm. clamoring for one man right. you know, type of thing. Right. And um, so 
to do The Bachelorette is to kind of turn that trope on its head. It's hyper modern, hyper contemporary. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but then all these weird traditional like gender stereotypes still stand. Yeah. That's the fascinating but there's part. The, there's a kind of, you know, there's a sort of a, at least a fairy tale motif of the men competing for the princess kind of idea. So at least yeah, you have that. Yeah, that's true. But I guess I sort of think of that as like um, kind of the the ultra like traditional idea of like the man is the the hunter and right, the woman is right. the prey, like the ancient right. Greek kind of, right. you know? And so then, <laughs> so it's like, I think of that in singular, but maybe I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm blanking on stories, but one ancient story that I asked you about in the first segment was a story of Esther. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We never talked about yeah. that. Yeah. What really. do you think about now that you've seen a whole episode of The Bachelor, what do you think about, I was yeah. kind of floating that as a particular right, biblical right. comparison. Well, so Esther, in case you're not familiar with the story of Esther, um, it's a story about a woman named Esther, co- coincidentally, <laughs> it's a coincidence actually, um, who's who ends up kind of as part of a harem of, of a powerful Persian king. And the story actually is is quite comedic. It's comedic, but it's also very brutal. Yeah. And in that sense, tone-wise, I will say, I can't make a one-to-one match with The Bachelor, but tone-wise, this mix of the comedy and the outrageous and almost like a kind of surrealism. Oh, interesting. That's, I mean, that's an aspect. Oh, yeah. So if when you read Esther, there's all this stuff about these overblown parties and these drinking goblets right. they keep describing. And then the way that the women, their care routine is described with all these like weird makeup rituals. That's right. And, and oils and- Yeah, yeah. So like when you read that, you're not supposed to think, oh, I guess that's just what ancient people did. No, it's 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 farcical. It's oh, ridiculous. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. no. It's meant, I think, to like just show you like the lavish silliness of the Persian court and then ends up satirizing the king because he has all this power but then he doesn't even recognize plots that are going on right under his nose and people are saving him and the idea is that there's one of these women who living in this in this diaspora um, a a time after the the Israel's temple was destroyed um, Esther and and her relative and they're out there and you know so she gets she has to try to make her way up into this harem basically in order to survive so you know I, right there, I mean, the stakes are actually deadly serious in Esther. Whereas you watch The Bachelor and you're like, wait a minute, what are the stakes here? I mean, you look at these women, they're all, they seem like they're like this perfect combination, maybe with a couple of exceptions, which I, I won't say which ones, but n- not like I'm sitting here rating these women, but it's like they're all beautiful and they all have like these successful in very careers. Conventional standards. Convention, yeah. Very conventional. You know, some of them a person might be more attracted to than others, but it's like they're not. You know, and they have these careers too. Like, except one of them, what was that one who was like, a, was it Hannah? She's like a content creator. Oh, I well, I was sort of like, does she have her own YouTube channel? She creates channel? content? Like, what's the content? That's what we should, that's I how we should know what introduce the ourselves. Is. Or content creators. Content so one of the contestants creators. is a content. So anyway, my point is that I'm trying, that I'm belaboring is just like, clearly these women have, they're not like, there's a sense in the book of Esther, like these women are more or less like slaves and they're yeah. at the whim of this king who just can kind of call them up. I mean, I could even see in, in our Me Too era, you could even read that as a type of rape in a way. Well, that's how so I've, I've interpreted I, it. Yeah, like, totally. when, like, um, you know, there's a Christian version, Christian movie version. Um, I think it's called One Night with the King. Oh, that sounds it, horrible. It's so, it, that is so and they make scary. it sound like romantic? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, they make it sound romantic as if like this isn't forced sex, you know, right. with like a like a hugely powerful man and wow. then like a completely disempowered woman. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess, I mean, so in The Bachelor, so you, you maybe haven't seen this, but toward the end, I think it's the final two contestants have the option of going into the quote-unquote fantasy suite. Okay. And that is where the cameras turn off yep. and sex is an option. Okay, so here— But I mean, it's optional. Uh, <laughs> see, here's something that, that you know, if we would have had more time with, with Tenley, I would have loved to have heard her response. Like, she was talking about her faith and mm-hmm. how important it was. And even, like, her and some of the other contestants were having, like, Bible studies on set. Yeah. I wanted to ask, like, okay, but some of the ideals of the show are not exactly, like, conservative, traditional, Christian-friendly. Like, yeah. like, should church people really be, like, watching this, much less participating in it? I mean, I think that's just an open question, right? Like, I don't know, what's your, what's your thought on that? Well, that's what, to me, that's where the comparison to Esther kind of comes in, yeah. because Esther is this Jewish woman living mm-hmm. in the the diaspora yeah um according to like not unlike daniel right who gets into this pagan court and is is um all of a sudden finds themselves in a position of power and with the ability to help their people and Mm -hmm. you know they're very heroic it's really exciting in a lot of ways but they're living supposedly living differently than like this and so i was wondering i mean i don't know and now of course i'm thinking we should have asked her this but what was it like to be a woman who is in a system that is not typically associated with traditional Christian right. mores about sex, for sure. Well, you did ask that. I mean, she did talk yeah, about that. She a, she, about and she was trying bit. to say, we, well, we had like an alternative culture on set, yeah. in a sense, right? Is that what she was saying? Yeah. So I was sort of wondering if there's kind of like a a Daniel Esther component to that where like you might feel that you were you were there for a purpose mm-hmm. to, you know, to display this different ethic, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I agree. I mean, watching it is like... <laughs> it's it's a cringe fest in terms of like moral values. Uh-huh. So here's the thing about Colton too, I guess, that I'm thinking too, the more I think about it. I, I don't think... My sense, my, my sort of moral sense is not that he's being like persecuted on the show for being a traditional guy. I just think it's it's more crass than that. It's even worse than that. In a way, it's just, it's an angle that they're playing. Yes. yes. It's just an angle. It's an exotic value to have an attractive guy who's that age, who's been on TV and to think that he's a virgin. It's just like titillating. Like it has nothing to do with, you know, anybody being persecuted or, oh, this just goes to show you how the mainstream media can't handle a person of faith. It's like, no, they would exploit that too if they could for money. It just, it's anything that they could use, right? Well, yeah. And we've talked about this before that religion and sex are like two just interesting things yeah, they're just, to people. They're and so I think something that combines both of those is going to be doubly interesting. Double, you double down. Yeah. And, you know, I think it all comes back as well to those, these like traditional, like heterosexual norms about what like men are, are supposed to be like and what women are supposed to be like. And so like um, a handsome young man who seems to have things going for him not having had sex is just like incomprehensible because yeah. I think what, what was interesting was like, oh, so like we're just seeing repeated like in every news outlet because you and I have been now paying attention to the bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not Colton, it's Virgin Colton. You know, right, it's like he's right, the Virgin right. Mary, something that's like so out there to people. Right. Well, and it's not like he's like the only one. I mean, I think the sports star Tim Tebow has been famous right. for, you know, putting that just out there. Just got about, engaged. What? Yeah. No, he didn't. He did. I just saw it. Who's today. he engaged to? A former Miss Universe, I believe. Not that Surprise. I care. Not that I care. I don't care. <laughs> Who 
Mr. T-Bone Ketchup. Plus, I can't believe you didn't tell me. I didn't know. Brian's crying in here. Uh, well, you know, yeah. So I, this this whole world, it's 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 something else though, and it's just it's it's quite a carnival. Yeah. Kitch corner, kitch, kitch corner for the bachelor. Kitch corner. Kitch, kitch, kitch corner. corner. I was trying to like make it a duet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome to the kitch corner. This is the section where we talk about some version of usually Christian kitch, some religious uh, kitch item, and uh, something preferably related to the topic of the day. Which preferably, is not the required. But <laughs> Sometimes it's a stretch. Sometimes the, Today's not a stretch, though, no, right? No, no. We've got some good stuff. So both of us came with um, an item to share with one another. What did you bring uh, to share today? Oh, yeah. So I remembered mine from going to movies with my wife. She wasn't my wife then. We were dating. But uh -huh. back in, in Springfield, Missouri. Any Missouri Aww. people out there? Write to us. We love you, Missouri. AG Mecca. Um, we used to go to this movie theater and they would have ads before the movies. And one of the ads was for a Christian dating service called <gasps> Equally Yoked. Equally Yoked. And there was a phone number and stuff. And I just, I Googled it to see if that exists and it still does. They have a yes. really bad way. Look at their website. I mean, does this look like an Aww. active? It's like a really no. badly, it's, it's not a good website. It's a bad website, but oh. it seems to be active. It's got tabs. Home, learn about EY. I guess that's the abbreviation. Become a member, get more inf info. The thing that intrigued me though, so I guess, okay, so do you get it? Do you get it, audience? It's a Christian dating site. But totally get it. I have the, one question though, yeah, really yeah, quick. Yeah. Is this a local thing or is it like a national I thing? I cannot tell. I think it's national. Oh, that, that leads me in. So the tab okay. that intrigued me the most, I bet it would intrigue you too, being the entrepreneurial person you are of religion. <laughs> become, become an owner. <gasps> what does oh, that it's mean? it's a franchise. So I click on become an owner and here's what it says. Become an owner. It says operating an equally yoked copyright member center is a fulfilling experience oh yeah. it's also a lucrative business opportunity this is a franchise imagine operating your own club in your own city or town our plan is to grow equally yoked with total commitment to ethical values they put the copyright symbol next to the word equally yoked every time <laughs> do they have to do that i don't think so but i like that they do i don't it. think that they have to do it <laughs> yeah. we're looking for people who would care about our members like you would care about your own family we're committed to ma maintaining our present reputation as the most respected Christian singles organization in the nation. So apparently that's what they are or think they are. Well, the most respected Christian. Yeah, dating. like, sorry, eHarmony. You sorry. thought it was you? <laughs> Can I tell you, I had a friend, we had a single friend in um, in Boston. We lived there and uh -huh. I, we were talking with her about how much she hated eHarmony. Oh. And I said, we should, I said, we should start a website called eHarm. <laughs> which is just about setting people up with like people that would they would not be matched with at all. Oh my gosh. I idea? love that. Um, is there a website? Like I'm going to check if there's an e-harm. E-harm. There's got to be one that could be like a thing where like people who've had bad experiences share them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's got to e be. E-harm. Um, it is a website, but it's not at e even, no, it's like one of those like people who bought a website, but then oh, they're trying to get. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no. So it doesn't, so maybe. Maybe eHarm, there's a future in it. Well, anyway. you know, there's some messaging issues with this website because it's like equally yoked, which usually in evangelical Christian circles yes. signals marriage, right? It, like even yes. though that's not necessarily what that's about. What's the verse that that's even from? Equally, um, I forgot. Equally yoked verse. I'm going to Google or Googling verse. Be, equally yoked verse Bible. It's don't be unequally yoked. Yes. Right? Okay. So it's like, yeah, double negative from there. Corinthians, I think? Yeah. Second Corinthians 614. Okay, do okay. not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Man, that's really black and white. Well, but... Or it's, what fellowship can light have with darkness? So, 
That's yeah, why. I mean, that's, that's pretty why. extreme. But I mean, that could be like a business relationship. That could be, you know. Right. Like why apply it just to marriage? Yeah. And also like, how do you determine what's equally yoked? Because um, I'm imagining right. that you could come up with all kinds of things. Like I've met people right. where I'm like, why are those two together? Right. And I wouldn't <laughs> necessarily like say you're like, yeah. you're deserving of damnation. But what I think is interesting. So it implies like in evangelical culture. It must. Getting together, yes. right? But then it says it's a single site, so you're not supposed to stay single? I mean, it's a little confusing. Well, there's a Christian cruise that they're offering as well. Oh, awesome. Find out about this year's cruise for single Christians. Okay, I, I got to <sighs> click on this. This is, this is the only time when I could be on a website like this in my life. But <laughs> if she finds out. Cr- like it was for kids Christian, corner. single, cruise. You just have to put your name and address in here and they'll tell you later, I guess. Oh my gosh. I want to see some pics of like, Palm trees what does it and look stuff. To cruise while My Christian ties. and single. Yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Susan, my wife said this just the other day. She's like, "Man, I'm so glad I'm not in the dating phase in my life." You know. Well, it's very just tough. tech it's tough. oriented. It's very now. tough. This tech thing. I have yeah. a, I have a single friend that let me into his world of like some of the dating stuff. I'd never yeah. done it. He gave me his phone. Like this is another sanctioned moment of married guy on dating sites. I'm sure people do that all the time, but I don't. Okay, <laughs> and so I'm like clicking on the stuff and. He was showing me about the swiping stuff, and uh, I swiped the wrong way on somebody uh, for him. I was doing stuff for him. It was. It you're, was. You're just a good friend. Well, the you're thing was, I got a sense when I was doing it, and he was telling me that a lot of the stuff is fake, right? It's like bots. Oh, so like you will be chatting with a girl, and you're like, okay, finally someone responded. This is going somewhere, and suddenly it's like, hey, come to my website, and you're like, oh no, oh, no. So it's bots trying to get you to websites. Well, basically. in this world that we live in, and it's hard to connect with people. I'm. I actually think that online dating could be a really great idea. And like sure. back in the day, people used to do correspondence yeah, dating, writing mail, mail order brides and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, right. There's a Judy Garland classic about that. But mm. anyway, um, I digress because I know you're not an old movie guy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I just shut down. I almost fell asleep. You like, said Judy huh. Garland, and I was like, Ugh, it's I'm a great done. movie. It's a great movie. But uh, <laughs> anyway, actually, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm sure there's a lot of norms Here's that I feel uncomfortable watching. But I love Judy Garland. What's okay, the old movies though. Can, if you, you watch them, it's like they don't have the standard. They're not up to snuff like with what we're used to in terms of like just action. And, oh and edge. well, no, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Oh, okay. There are some really good ones. I mean, right. yes, maybe I don't. We like faster ones. paced ones, but <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. I think he stands okay, up over time. No, no, totally, I agree. You know, Laura is one of my favorite movies ever. Anyway, we're digressing, but um, so yeah, unequally or equally yoked. This is a fascinating. What uh, what have you got Pitch. over there? Okay, I've got something. It's called, it is a reality dating show, mm. a Christian reality oh, dating show nice. called It Takes a Church. We went in the same direction here, it seems. We did, we did. Here's a little... Um, oh, are you going to play it? It yeah. Takes a Church, hosted by Natalie Grant, hosted visits congregations Grant. across America to help find true love for yeah. the truly blessed. Yep. I am here... Okay, true love for the truly, truly blessed. blessed. Hashtag blessed. There it Hashtag is. Hashtag blessed. Yep. Natalie Grant, who's a huge uh, gospel mm-hmm. singer. She's good. Star. Yeah, she's great. I think we have a Natalie Grant CD from like the late 90s. She's an amazing house. singer. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And she goes and it is. <laughs> okay, I've seen a couple episodes of this. It is congregations setting their like eligible bachelor or bachelorette. Oh, like on a congregation to congregation level. Yes. I actually kind of loved it. That's a great idea. (laughs) Because churches, okay, like churches can get really impersonal in this mega church kind of age where it's like, 
you know, kind of church factories. And mm-hmm. this is basically like church people doing what church people do best, which is get up in each other's business mm-hmm. and be super nosy. Totally. And be like, you know who's single? Oh, that's great. Bachelor Bob or something like that. I love like this that. idea. And they're like ch- all these gossipy yes. church ladies who basically are saying like, and you know what's great about Bob? And they say things that only church ladies would be like, he's tall. Like, yep. like that's some sort yep. of character that's trait. A thing. That's a <laughs> he's thing. tall. Tall. He has a job. Tallness, you jobs. Yeah. Just thinking of it on the, because every church, you know, that I mean, single people have have numerous and ultra legitimate gripes about the ways that churches deal with single yes. people. Yes, yes. You know, the way that things are so family oriented. I mean, this is something like if you're listening to this and you don't know anything about like Christian church culture, like the kind of like the gold standard of like church business growth culture is like young families. That's right. what everyone talks about. Why? Right. Because you need people in that demographic to like, because young families will settle on a church that their kids like. They'll get on the tithing roster, paying the money, puts butts in the seats. It just works on every <laughs> it level. It rings all the revivalist bells. It rings all the bells that you need, and it does the financial thing that you need because it's like family. You know, family stuff is big business, and so churches tend to gravitate toward this. So, just thinking of the way the gripes single people have, thinking about churches as a whole trying not just to set up their single people, but trying to set them up vis-a-vis another church's single people. <laughs> it's almost like a team sport. Oh, it sounds I know. brutal. It's like it a, sounds... it's like softball. Church softball leagues are notoriously like oh, competitive I, I and these. awful. Oh, they're right? bad. Yeah, they're bad. Because yeah, it's so... almost like your church's theology is fighting against another <laughs> right, church. Right, right, right. Like I went to a big vineyard church on the East Coast in Cambridge, oh. and we would play like a big reformed kind of church or something. <laughs> and there were also churches that were like aspiring to more membership. And oh, so right. I was right. once at second base. I had made it to second base, surprisingly, in one of these games. And the second baseman comes up to me and goes, I sent your pastor an email a couple weeks ago, but he hasn't responded to me yet. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, as that if, would just like, make me want to smack As if someone. I was going to remedy that situation. You're like, let me get on that I'm like, from well, second base. I'm like, I said, uh, I think I said something really snarky, too. Like, yeah, well, he's busy. He has, like, a travel. He's a book out now. Oh, my gosh. He's a traveling schedule. <laughs> That's and so, the ultimate, like, revivalist uh, response. You know, but in reality, like, I had no, like, relationship with the pastor to even, like, pass on the <laughs> note that he hadn't emailed the dude back. But like, you were a good team member because you had, like, your own— like. You yeah. stuck it out with your team. I stuck that's it really out. important because yeah, the pastor's right. like the mascot in that scenario. Yeah, he didn't come to our games. I don't think he even knew that we had a church, but we were playing it out. <laughs> Boom. So this is just like Yeah, I, it's I, next level. How like, yeah, does it work? You, did you watch some of this? Like, does it um, do they actually get the people I like it's been a while since I've seen it? I think they've had some successful dates. Mm-hmm. But one thing that was interesting to me about it was they basically do it in the church sanctuary. Nice. And so then you have this like single person standing up. I feel so bad for them. They're standing up there. They're good by the sports pulpit. about it as a whole. And then um, yeah, and then the church is like, ooh, you know, like when they they, you know, brutal talk about this person's good qualities or whatever. <laughs> but you know, the thing that I thought was interesting about it, while why I was pleasantly surprised was so this is how I went into it, thinking like, what is what makes the bachelor work? And right. it's it really is sex, right? Like, will mm-hmm. they or won't they? Like, they right. have this whole buildup to the fantasy suite. Do they have sex? And then, you know, like, whether or not they're going to get married as well. But, like, you know, that's kind of the whole romantic comedy trope. Will they or won't they? Mm-hmm. And so if you're having, like, a church dating thing, mm-hmm. it's like, are you automatically taking away the thing 
that, right. <laughs> you know, is the suspense. Right. So, because, uh, like, you know, you kind of yeah. presume they're not going to, at least on right. the first. Like in, like in, like in pairs figure skating, if it's like a brother-sister pair. <laughs> right. Versus the Shibatanis, kind of, for example, who are confusing. fantastic. I've seen the Shibatanis live, Stars on Ice at the Motor oh, yeah. Center. Oh, didn't you take your daughters? We did. But, Coolest but that's dad. But it's a similar dynamic. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to bring that up. But <laughs> there's, you know, but a similar idea, right? Like, and they, they, but they were asked about this on the Olympics, right? Uh-huh. Like, um, you know, there's a kind of tension or a kind of allure that skaters have that has brother and sister, you know, and they know all about this thing, but of like, course. but it's a question like, can they not achieve that highest state? Because that's the mythology of the pair's skating is like, are they? Oh, that's uh, what you're and wondering. It, because right? it's um, ice dancing, right? Yeah, it's, it's not. Either way, either way, when you've got a male and a female pair out you there. You always are assuming. And many yeah. times they do end up da- they, they together. They have dated, yeah. yeah. Or they've got some kind of like quasi-romantic relationship. <laughs> right. So if you remove that, like you're saying in the church, what's... Like what kind of tension is what's there? What's the tension? Well, the yeah. tension is just about the community then trying to pawn off their lonely, lonely, sad, single people. <laughs> well, I actually apparently. kind of like that because I'm a sucker for church lady gossip and like nice. the culture around it because I think it's something that, I mean, there are all, always negative versions or negative like examples of it, but I think there's also a really positive thing about like a community being involved in sure. the lives of its, right. you know, of, of a church um, or any any voluntary organization. So I actually was, I, I thought I'd like to watch a few a few more episodes. I like this idea. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. That's what we're still calling our listeners, weirdos? Yep. I like it. For extras and extra nerdy Easter eggs on subjects covered in this episode, don't forget to click on the hyperlinks in each episode's description on our website, weirdreligion.com. These episodes were produced at Stone Bear Studios, engineered by Bex Joy, and executive produced by Troy Wellstead. Our theme music is by Cassie Blum, and our album artwork by John Williams. A special shout-out to Roger Nam and to the Kern Foundation for sponsoring the season, and to Trigger the Studio Dog. When you podcast, podcast with us. Bye.